What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular tenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor at New Hill Church. Mark Sherry, pastoral candidate of the month. Yes! And I am Gary Fox, associate pastor of the month, two months in a row. Jeremy Dubois, member. Are you Deacon of the Month? Deacon of the Month. Deacon. Man, look at that. This is great. Um, man, you and yeah, you and Simon are officially going to be uh, battling for each pastoral candidate each hey, month. He has a long head start, so I have to catch up. Well, you get it this month because he's on vacation. So, by um, default. But you were just on vacation too, so I was. Yeah, but he was. But I made sure no, to you know what? No, 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 no. He wasn't. No, I've never revoked anybody from it. But you do not get pastoral candidate of the month. Uh, there, there was something. No, this past Sunday, you might have That's forgotten. True. You do not get it. No, Simon. That's Simon's absence uh, yeah. still wins <laughs> over. <laughs> it's a demerit. Demerit. You don't get your uh, shroot bucks. I'll just say when there's a request in a shroud of text of like 30 other comments. Whose fault is that? That is my fault, but I also associate the blame to those who pose the question. Hold on. No, 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 no. That was it, the official pastoral. You're right. You're right. This is where business is is had. This is great. And you know, I've apologized. Can't you keep up with five or six chats at once? I've tried to. That's why we've gone to group me for. Uh, important threads. I have worked very hard to make restitution for my error of missing the benediction. So I hope that is sufficient. His restitution was sending me seven emails before I got out of second service with a bunch of stuff to do. So his his way of getting you know making making amends is giving me work. It's showing how busy you're gonna. You're gonna I literally is like Bing, Bing. Bing. It's like you typed them all up and sent them at once. There were six different no, emails. No, it's just one after the other. I'm going to show Mike how busy I was, how many things I have on my plate. Oh, my goodness. Look how good I'm doing. Oh, man. Anyway, you guys been good? Like, not in your behavior, but like uh, going okay? Actually, pray for me because, and now I find out Jeremy as well, um, my sciatica is, is getting ridiculous, and I think I'm going to end up having surgery. But I don't want to speak a negative thing, right, word of faith. But that's what I'm afraid is going to end up happening. Just speak the healing into existence, Gary. That's I need something. What? You know, me too. Is that just for praying? We'll talk about yeah, that after. Oh my God. All I'm saying Michael is said we had a Trinitarian discussion, and someone won that. So, anyways, um, yeah. How about you, Gary? We'll be we'll be praying for you. Uh, the the money laundering over here. <laughs> <laughs> What timing, too, like, right, without explanation. Well, or I couldn't. I, I was like, he's going to get up and leave to make that phone call, and then I'm going to forget, and then boom, boom, boom. It's a good call. Anyway. But Jeremy, we, Jeremy's struggling with it, too. Same same exact symptoms. Standing up is a pain. Sympathy kind of, pain? Yeah, yeah, Jerry's yeah. Pain. I felt so bad. <laughs> I just hope we don't get worse. God, if I some of his pain away. I've got well, sympathy strength you guys, from Mark. Are you, like, kind of... Sympathy the, strength? When you're in the gym, feel super healthy, healthy, just seeing you so don't healthy. Don't do that. That's what got me. Yeah. That's why I don't lift, guys. <laughs> That's why. Doesn't want to hurt himself. I was watching this this TikTok, and it was uh, the triathlon going on uh, for the Olympics. And this guy's like, watch this. And everybody's crossing the finish line and immediately collapse. And they're like, doctors come up to them and start helping them. And then it does this big, like, shot from above. And there's, like, ten athletes down on the ground being, like, attended to. And he's like, why would you do this to yourself? Like, what, what fun is there? Literally, everybody crossed that line. And he's like, by the way, this guy only got fifth. <laughs> it's like dying. And everybody's still like pushing. It's like, 
guys, if you ain't at least first, second, or third, ain't no point in, in running on. It's not something like the sciatica, but like when you're in the lifting, like you, you will start like feet, not just soreness, but like I've been noticing like like tendonitis or like different things. Like you do injure yourself. I mean, no matter how careful you are. Yeah. It's worth it, though, man. You know, talk I mean, about those gains. It's it's the end of the half for me at work. And talk about back pain, man. Just sitting down for, I don't know, 10 hours in the day. Whew. Oh, yeah, lower back. Yeah, it's, it's that form. I need you need that, a standing uh, desk. Standing. Uh, I can't stand very long, but I probably should. No, but have one. you seen those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They or adjust. ergonomic desk. Yep. Yeah, so you don't have to stand the whole day. That's true. That's a big yeah. company. You, you, put, ought, like, you ought to make a claim, go to HR, oh, and say, the company needs to pay for this. Well, if you're not going to take it, you can put it in the church office. That's that's very true. I'm like rarely there. I don't know what we would use it for, but that'd be sweet. I need to get one of those harnesses for my back to put my shoulders back. You so should get a harness so you can carry me around. What you should do. <laughs> talk Rose. I would, too. While I'm preaching. Talk like my, like my go, go left. Go left. <laughs> here, 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 get ready for this one. Talk Rose into quitting her job, staying home, right? And then you could you could give her an allowance, and part of her job is to come and rub your shoulders, and you know what I mean. And, and she'd like that, I think. I have made that proposal. She's currently considering it. <laughs> Speaking of carrying carrying things, so we went on a, a long bike ride with the whole family the other day. And do not make fun of me. Do you guys know what a Moby is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So care. I have a dog Moby. Because we when we go <laughs> when we go when Sorry. we go when we go on the the long. Uh, bike ride she can only last 15 minutes of running and then i have to pick, pick her up and put her in my moby and the other side i have a backpack so i'm trying to balance this dog in a backpack as we ride by do you know why your dog only runs. lasts 15 minutes running? because i feed her chicken because 15 minutes for that dog running is like, like yeah. an hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like an hour for us her tiny little legs yeah oh my gosh yeah i've tried i've tried everything the you should get like a last. kangaroo pouch that would be yes. I'm yes. gonna take that in the short term. All right, before I just we hope someday someone loves me as much as Mark loves that dog. Oh, I know. Yeah, All right, do you have any war paint on, by the way? Do I what? Like ashed oh, on your face? Right I guess. Other no, side. Yeah, I'm just trying to prepare. It, it is not coming off. It might be. It is maybe, so maybe I developed skin cancer throughout the course of this. No, it's it's gone now. Okay. Yeah. So um, this past week we wrapped up this mini series uh, going through the typologies um, of leadership. I uh, talked about prophet, priest, and king, and uh, again, it wasn't a, an exhaustive study. There's uh, can spend years talking about the gifts and how they can be used and practically used um, in the church uh, context. Um, but we talked about king this past week. Anything that stood out to you guys? Uh, questions uh, you guys would like to ask to bring some clarity to it? I know you had an interesting point when you're looking at kings. Not necessarily like king by the title, but those who serve in this role. You brought up uh, Joseph. Yeah, Joseph, Moses. Can you explain the, the Joseph thing for yeah, people right he, now? I didn't mention that. He elevated to Pharaoh's right hand. He had to coordinate all of the distribution, the whole program for the whole nation of Egypt, and then, and then like how he would allow, what do you call them? I don't know, what, foreigners, people that weren't yeah, citizens. Yeah. To come in, but he coordinated all of that. You know what I mean? And, and so that was obviously he was a prophet, but he also had a kingly strength to him. And then Moses, of course, had to coordinate, um, you know, the children of Israel in their in their journey and wanderings and so forth. And Jethro told him that too. Jethro did. So maybe he was the king. Although before that, 
Well, that shows you Moses may not have been gifted in that, Moses but he went out and did it, it because yeah, Jethro told him, "Hey, Jethro you can't." Jethro had to tell him like, yeah. he was doing it this way, but which shows like you may not be the king, but you got to figure it out because if you take too much on, like that's a big thing with with kingly leaders. There's a lot of delegation. Yes. Like it's it's not taken on the test. It's coordination is, is huge. Yeah. So there's a lot of delegation within uh, church coordination. People, a lot of people will say things like, you know, like, well, I don't really have any spiritual gifts and I don't have, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not like Mark, who can just go up and witness to people and all this. I'm not good. Like, and so sometimes people can feel like that and they'll be like, think that they're not, that God hasn't called them into ministry. Like, no, I'm just good at Excel spreadsheets and stuff. No, no, no. That is critically important. That's a mission. Big time important. And we, we need that. In order for us to be most effective, you, I don't care what it is, church or anything else, you've got to be organized and efficient with what you're doing and concentrated. So that way the mission, when you, when you, when you fire it, it's going straight and it's hitting the target and all those things. So what, one of the things that the uh, study kind of uh, made me think of is that Adam was a king. He was also a priest. Mm, the that's same, another example. Yeah, the Adam. same word for, uh, you know, that was used as the priest to guard. Adam was told to guard and cultivate the temple. So, uh, I'm sorry, the, the garden, which was a, a type of temple. And so when, you know, he was a vice regent, vice ruler with God on earth, and uh, then the fall happens, and then kingship is broken forever, uh, in a sense, uh, until Christ comes. But one of the bird's eye views of the Bible that I heard that I thought was really helpful is the Old Testament he anticipated uh, a prophet, a perfect prophet who could come and speak the word of God, a uh, perfect priest who would offer a perfect sacrifice, and then a perfect king who could lead and provide for the people of God. And all the Old Covenant prophet, priests, and kings were inadequate, particularly around the topic of king. Uh, you know, King David, the greatest king, failed miserably. So there's this longing and expectation, and then you come to the New Covenant, and here is the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, who is also the high priest who offers himself as a sacrifice, and he is the prophet of God who speaks the Word of God, not just externally, but can actually affect the inward yeah. you know, uh, will and convert it so he speaks to effectiveness. Um, but, you know, and then we're called a kingdom of priests, or kings and priests, so I think all of us are considered uh, priests in some way, oh, for sure, and, and kings in some way. But there are definitely, to, to the whole point of your study, there are uh, general categories that we all fit into. So I thought I thought it was a great topic series, topical series. Awesome. Sorry about that. We fixed our audio uh, difficulties. You should be able to hear us well now. Pastor Gary, on with your thought. Anyway, I just want I just want everyone to feel like you definitely whatever your strengths are is going to fall within one of those three categories. And, and we definitely want we want to talk to you about how we can plug you in right and figure out where in those categories because there's probably a thousand subcategories in those uh, you know, big categories but let us know because I hope it's encouraging to you to step out and the only option within within figuring this out is obedience or disobedience and right. and that's because like you are gifted and you were gifted uh, for his purpose he gifted you. Um, so you are to use that. Now, you do have an option, but it would be between obedience or disobedience. Now, this isn't trying to tie your hands. This is, you've got a gift, use it. And you're gifted typically within your passions. So, like, if you're not, like, a kingly person or you're not the evangelistic person, like, you don't feel comfortable going out and evangelizing, 
we're not saying you got to do that all the time, but you do need to, to witness, right? You do need to um, administer. But um, we're talking about regular service falls within your giftedness, which is usually where your passion is also. Um, so don't feel like you've got to reinvent the wheel or figure out like a new you. Just know that you got to step up in areas where you're, you may feel weak, um, and you do that when opportunity presents itself, but you need to be proactive in the giftedness uh, which you've been given. Right. So I think that's really important to know and understand. And difficult, I know it always sucks being told that you're living in disobedience, but f- for this, it, it's true, but it's also for your good and the church's good and ultimately God's glory. So um, recently we brought on a new pastoral candidate, uh, Brother Mark Sherry. We wanted to, to spend a little bit of time on this episode getting to know you a little bit. We know you, um, but not everybody knows everything about you. Uh, so I just want to start off just asking you about um, your testimony, hmm. how you came to know the Lord. Well, first off, where were you Where were you from? So I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. And then when I was three, we moved to the former Soviet Union. So we lived in Ukraine right after the Iron Curtain fell down, Soviet Union collapsed. So we lived 100 kilometers south of Chernobyl. We who? My, my parents and I, so. Just, uh, just the three of you? No, to my brother as well. Okay. So I had, I had a brother who's about four or five years older than me. Okay. Uh, but my parents were Pentecostal holiness missionaries, and so they were the charismatic persuasion. And, um, you know, so, some of that uh, realm included Benny Hinn, Ernest Angeli, that type of uh, charismaticism. And so we, we lived in, uh, we moved all over Ukraine, we traveled a lot, we lived in villages, we lived in cities. Great experience, great, you know, different perspective. Uh, but, you know, when I was seven, I made a profession on one of our uh, furloughs back here, I made a profession of faith and I prayed what they taught was the sinner's prayer. And uh, because I was raised in a Christian household, I was constantly talking about Jesus. I was even witnessing to people when we came back to the States, uh, but I didn't fit in with the American culture. So when you grow up in Ukraine, it's just, it's very different. Right. And then you come back and you're in school with kids and you don't understand them and they don't understand you. And so there was kind of an identity crisis. I think a lot of missionary kids face this. I think pastors' kids face it in particular as well, but they don't know where they fit in. Um, they're told they're different, they, they are different, and then, you know, there's no one else that's quite like them, so they think, or that they can identify with. So, uh, and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but oh, you're I, good, I, I associated with, uh, in about seventh grade, with the bad kids, you know, the kids who were, you know, smoking and drinking, and I, at, at the end of the day, all I wanted at the time was acceptance. I just wanted to fit in. What grade was this? Se- seventh grade. Drinking and smoking at yes. that age? Yes. And but, but the kids in Ukraine, uh, even when we were like eight years old, I remember carrying a cigarette around in my mouth for you know to get for my brother to bring it back to him and his friends. And he'd come, he's like, "Oh, you, you left their spit on it. You hit me." And it's just different, <laughs> di- different culture, uh, you know, harsher environment, right? Socially speaking, okay. uh, so you're exposed to things at a younger age there. Uh, so I got in with that crowd. You know, there was no, you know, my, my parents, at least my mom was. You know, putting uh, scriptures inside my the place I hid my cigarettes. You know, she'd take them and she'd put she'd put a scripture and say, you know, yeah. don't defile the temple of God, whatever she would say. Um, and so, you know, my brother he was he was as I mentioned four years older, so I looked up to him. He was 
my hero, when he came back, uh, when we came back, he learned, uh, he kept up with the language. So I spoke fluently both Ukrainian and Russian, and then uh, it dropped because I didn't have any Ukrainian or Russian friends when we came back. My brother took courses, he, he built a community of friends, so I looked up to him, and he was also in the drug scene, surprise, surprise, because um, that was the only place we could find real acceptance. <clears throat> so. Uh, fast forward to when they came back. Were you guys part of a local church, or were you? Yes, you yeah, were members, a, and they were they were members. Uh, it was a church in Macedonia, uh, faith faith fellowship. Um, a lot of great people there, but they have some they have some real challenges, um, and and that came out actually a few years ago. Uh, but but aside from that, uh, sixteen years old, have my license, you know, on the the highway to hell, so to speak, in that way, from a worldly standard. Uh, and my dad finds a pot pipe on the side of the house, and he brings it home. And he says, uh, Teresa, I think this is drugs, and so he makes her pack my suitcase and send it to me at the uh, to school. At the it was like the beginning of sophomore year sends it to me and says, you can no longer live here. <laughs> so 16 years old, I'm out on wow. the streets. And I immediately go and I, I, I you know, start living with friends on their couches, um, dropped out of high school, uh, was you know, big, you know, big pothead, big drinker, had something to prove. You know, just at the end of the day, looking for acceptance, identity, um, friendship. And so um, you know, I'm living with this guy who's selling large amounts of marijuana and you know just living a depraved life I was clearly different from them just in general and they knew that too that I was an oddity even to them with the cultural background um, so you know fat, get get my GED while I'm actually high I don't remember taking the test but I guess I took the test and somehow passed and then uh, so fast forward and I'm, I'm bouncing around uh, 18 I get my own house, with a three-bedroom house in Korea, and you know the the relationship with those friends had ended because uh, when you live with sinners in that way, there are problems, and so we would oh, yeah. get into physical altercations, fist fights. You know, there was by the time I had left, there was holes of my body and my friend's body in each of the apartment walls. Wow! <laughs> we broke the contract of the apartment, um, so. We, this is just, it's not a pretty story, but it's, it's, it's the truth. So then I'm living in this house in Berea by myself, and I essentially shut everybody out. And for, I'm working at Southwest General Hospital as a janitor, or as I call it, a master of the custodial arts. And I'm working my way up, working in surgery, you know, uh, do, doing pretty well, working hard. And it came a point, I remember, I'm, I was completely alone. I mean, my mom would come by and drop stuff off or whatever, but I was completely alone. And uh, ended up, you know, just, you know, the, the very few people that were in my influence were alcoholics, you know, young young alcoholics like myself. Were you talking to your dad? Was that no, totally? We, we no, had, we had not talked in, in years. Um, and my brother had a similar relationship with him at that time. So, um, 19 years old, I am completely alone, um, very depressed, and I'm thinking, okay, I've tried everything I know and have access to try, and, and I don't want to like, 
I don't, I'm not trying to glorify sin. It's just the reality. And right. I, I'm, I wasn't the worst of the worst. It wasn't like I was, you know, doing lines of coke on the bathroom right. floor in a hotel. Or, it was, right. it was, it was mild. The world would consider this kind of a uh, moderate, you know, story. But um, I'm thinking, okay, there is literally no point to life. And uh, I had a record player, and I would listen to Beatles songs in the basement by myself for hours, and just smoke cigarette after cigarette. And something just dawned on me, there's no point to living. And so, uh, 18 years old, I take my uh, my rifle and I go and I write out all the letters to all the people that weren't, you know, had been important in my life. And I go to execute, and just as I'm about to do, I look in the corner of the room and I see my NIV Kids Adventure Bible. And that just stopped me, and I couldn't do it. I, I, I don't exactly know why. It might have been a religious compelling reason, but it was the Lord. And it was just like, I can't, I can't do this. For whatever reason, I couldn't do it, so I stopped. And then very soon after that, I ended up coming back to my dad and you know, repenting um, and trying to reconcile. He actually, he let me come back and live with them when I'm 19. And so I get a job at a collection office with my brother we're doing very well. I still have a lot of the after effects of the loneliness. I mean, this is, it wasn't like a prison because I had liberty, but I essentially put myself in a prison mm-hmm. and isolated myself. So it was, there was some level of trauma after that. And so I'm trying to reintegrate into society. And, you know, I'm working at this collection office and I just start getting real convicted that I need to start reading the Bible, quote unquote, cleaning my life up. And so I had this little uh, Royal Rangers King James Bible. Mind you, I'm uneducated at this point. No high school degree, GED, limited. You know, I wasn't like an avid reader at, at that time at all. It was uh, watch TV and listen to stuff, listen to you know tapes and, and record players. Um, and so, I start reading the New Testament. I don't even understand the language, like uh, you know, the T H E E. I didn't understand. I was like, what is this the with an extra e on? I didn't understand the Elizabethan language. So I'm really struggling with that. I'm not comprehending much on a literary level. And then one day, I don't know why, I don't, uh, I don't remember, you know, why I picked it up, but I start reading in Matthew 27 where Jesus is being crucified and the centurion beside Jesus says, truly this is the Son of God. And talk about random conversion. And mind you, I am like everybody else in the collection office. I'm drinking and smoking, like doing illicit drugs, you know, just, I'm just like them. There's no difference between me and them. And they knew that. We'd go out to the bar afterwards and get hammered. And I'm reading, truly this, this was the son of God. And I believed that. It was, it was at that moment, I believe, that God the Spirit uh, came, came upon me and gifted me with faith, granted me repentance. And just like that, like from darkness to light, from night to day, from death to life, from hate to love, I am radically converted. And within moments, I am craving the scriptures, craving prayer, wanting to be around any Christian I knew, know, telling everybody about Jesus. And it was almost like, it was surreal. I was like, why do I, I don't understand what just happened, but I love, I actually love and know Jesus now. I know my sins are forgiven. And so, 
I'm, you know, probably overly aggressively witnessing to people, and these people are like, I don't know what new drug this kid's on, Jesus and the resurrection, but I want some. Um, and so it, 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 it put kind of a shockwave into the collection origination because my brother and I were in the top three performers. So I got to witness to the owner, managers, uh, dozens and dozens of, you know, the collectors, and getting to, you know, start to develop a theology and understand it. And just around that time, my dad had uh, started to question the charismatic movement. He, he felt like he was burned from, uh, you know, being on the mission field and, you know, felt like with a lot of the scandals, he just felt burned. He, as he describes it, I feel like God, you know, put me out like a cigarette and flicked me away when we came back. I served him all these years and he just flicks me away. So he starts studying and reading and he starts going to a, a fundamental Baptist church, Southwest Community Baptist in Parma. And he, I get converted, and he immediately dismisses my conversion. He's like, no, you're not. He's like, you prove it, and you prove it over a long period of time. And I'm like, whatever, that's, that's just the way he is. I'm like, I know I've been saved. And so um, he starts going there. He invites me to come after a few months, and I start coming. And, you know, I learned a lot of my foundational truths from the scripture there. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm just, I started a Bible study, and this is, this is an uneducated person leading a Bible study where up to 30 people are coming on a weekly basis. Usually it was, you know, 10 to 15, but I, I drew this little, God drew this crowd. And uh, the way it started out was, um, I just invited a few friends over from work and I'm like, hey, let's read the book of Hebrews. <laughs> so we just literally, I didn't know what I was doing. We read through the book of Hebrews. By the time we got to chapter 10, the, the words, forsake not the assembling of yourself, just stuck out. And I'm like, we need to do this every week. So we did Bible study every week. And people would drive up to two hours away to come to this. And I, I didn't know anything. Clearly, un, not, not a teacher. You know, it was mostly just reading big passages, scripture. Right. and Filling the time. And, yeah, just, just doing what I could. But it was powerful. Right. Um, and there, there was, you know, the Spirit of God was clearly in it. So we, I, I did that for years, and I learned over time. And then, you know, I'd go out and evangelize. At the church, uh, the pastor told me that I invited over 100 people over however long a period of time. And I, I didn't keep track. I don't, I don't care, you know. I'm like, well, why are none of the people staying? <laughs> like, some of these people are good believers. And I think it was the independent fundamentalism, uh, you know, the in, in some cases, pharisaical fences around fences that kept people away. And you can't listen to rock music. You are in sin. You need to repent. You're going to hell right. if you listen to rock music. If you fill in the blank, whatever is normal and good in life, they would disregard as sinful. So, and these uh, are people you're like inviting at Guns N' Roses concerts that are coming. Pre and pre like, pre pretty much Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah, so we went to. Are you laughing about Guns N' Roses? Woodstock. No, no. I'm just saying. No, no Woodstock's before your time. Don't try and play no, no, me. They had, Class, uh, classic what rock's the, my thing. Uh, what was the one that was like Woodstock? Oh. Uh, oh, oh, like the Ozzy Osbourne beats me. Wood, was that not? That wasn't Woodstock. That was uh, there was a Woodstock re reunion. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. That's what my tongue though. I know what you're talking about. Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza was one of them. Yes. That so, was a big one. Yeah. That so was at a big the one. at the collection agency, you become radically converted. Yes. Did you start like just forgiving everybody's debt? You know, I I witnessed to almost every debtor. So you're like, I hey, we're gonna collect this stuff. From you, I, but you I, know who won't. You know yeah, who paid it yes, all for you. Yes, that was that was every time. And honestly, it seems it, like it, it. It makes a lot of sense, like knowing your DNA and how you're wired, like as an evangelist now, like hearing hearing some of these details too, for sure. 
I don't know. It's really interesting. So, so you're doing this Bible study. People, you're inviting people, hundreds apparently. That, that's over amazing. Time, yeah. yeah, over time, and um, they're not sticking around at um, the church. At yeah. the church, Bible right? Studies the Bible studies growing. Um, so, where did that lead you and and your walk of your your spiritual walk? I guess. Yeah. So. Um, because our point is it just so I want to say this. Our point is it just to get people to a Bible study, right? Yeah. Like we want yeah. them to be a part of a church family. Um, but for you, a young believer, that's got to be frustrating inviting people in and then not sticking to your church. Yes. Because you're was, creating a church on your own almost. Yeah, it, it was. It was yeah. people. People tried to give me their tithe money, and I would say like they would literally like several of them tried to give me, and I said, listen, this isn't a church. This is a Bible study. You need to give to your local church, and they're like, I don't want to give to my local church because they're not biblical. Wow. Like, well, go to a biblical church. And they would come to mind. They're like, no, yours is too stuffy. Not giving our money here either. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So um, several people had approached me about getting into the ministry. And my view on it was, and I was like, I'm going to be single forever, bachelor to the rapture. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to be a celibate, single person. I have the gift, you know, and, and, um, you know, I don't want to go into ministry because of my past and, um, you know, too, too checker of a past. I felt too broken. People just kept on pushing me and they said, well, why don't you go to uh, a Bible college, Bob Jones University? I, I had no idea what that was about. I'm like, is this Jim Jones University? Right. Like, is this, they're going to serve me Kool-Aid in the cafeteria. So I actually visited the campus and I was, you know, I subscribed to a lot of the independent fundamental Baptist things. So very, very rigid on, on views and, and liberty. And I uh, got a Bible degree, um, you know, went, uh, did a, it was a speech minor, you know, went through the whole thing. And that's where really my theology, a lot of my current, like my theology was really uh, nailed down uh, very well. So at that time, I did get, um, right after college, I did get married, literally the day, the, the graduation day. You met her there? I met, yeah. So, um, yeah, we met at school. And then um, I went and started a youth pastor in Tennessee. I'd been doing an internship uh, at a really great church, Community Baptist Church, under uh, Mike Stolnaker, fantastic pastor, who taught me a lot about the ministry. So, um, you know, everything's going well, and then over time, um, I'm realizing that my theology differs drastically from the theology of the pastor on some core, I wouldn't say core, peripheral things that were very important to me, like the doctrines of grace. And well, especially I, when you're, you're co-laboring as pastors. Yes, yeah, yes. And, you know, we talk about that a lot, so. Right, and so I said, you know, I, I notice you never talk about this, teach you avoid this by the plague. Like, plague says, well, I think this is not something we should really talk about in public. It's not something we should teach. It's more like the bones on a house or the bones in a body. Yeah. And so I, I just had a strong disagreement. I got turned on to Reformed theology and felt the Lord led us to uh, Reformed Baptist Church in Nashville. So okay. uh, by that time, I've got two young girls. We're, you know, I'm teaching in a church. We, we're kind of pillars of, of the church community. Um, and then... Uh, everything just seems great and and suddenly on a Christmas Eve um, she she tells me she she my wife at the time okay she tells and when you me, say two young girls those are your daughters yes okay two, we right. know those yeah right yep Abby and Lily so they they were one and three like before younger than one and three still still babies basically right. and she tells me that she's been having multiple affairs with random people along the way okay 
and um, it, this is just a shock to me. I, I couldn't even believe it. I thought right. I was like on a punked or something. So I immediately started vomiting. My whole world comes undone. And uh, so she, she tells me, appearance was very devout. Oh yeah, you you'd never guess it. This this is this is a shock. Everybody was just completely surprised. They. They, they actually didn't believe the report. They thought something else had happened. It's like, oh, that's not right. So, you know, she says, uh, she says she doesn't want to be a mom. She doesn't want to be a wife. She's done with the family. She ends up in a psychiatric ward for uh, a week because she's having some serious right. mental problems. Who, you know, forsakes their own kids. Right. Who, who, you know, when you lose your maternal instincts, you something's very broken inside you. Right. So long story short, uh, I was actually, we were actually planning coming up to Cleveland to plan a reformed church with the help of the church that we were at. And it happened right then. So here I am doing ministry, planning on planning a reformed church, and God just, you know, rocks my world. And I'm undone. I'm ruined. And uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that theology was my, I, I obeyed the theology. The first words out of my mouth were, the Lord gave, the Lord took away, blessed be the name of the Lord. I think that was my first Facebook post at the time too. And, um, you know, I thought God is sovereign. He has ordained this for my life. Didn't make it less painful, but it helped me understand. Now, were, you, were you done with her? Did you ever talk to her? Were you, were, were there was, you trying to reconcile? There, yeah, there was, yeah, there was a, a long, there was a period of uh, attempted reconciliation and offer of forgiveness, but it, it, it was not accepted. It, like, it was like I tried beyond what 99% of men would do for the sake of the kids. And she absolutely rejected it, right. did not want it. Um, so there's nothing you can do at that point. And, and for months, I you know, debated whether divorce was an option. I talked to a lot of godly leaders, prayed about it a lot. And because she was unrepentant, because she was now uh, you know, antithetical to God in her profession, you know, doesn't want her children. Uh, so not only is she unfaithful, but it's, it's a situation now of an unbelieving she's spouse. Not, yes. That has abandoned the marriage, she, she, which are both the two issues. Abandoned the family too. Yeah, yeah. right. The so, marriage, the family. Right. Yeah, yeah. But As I mean, when you're looking at, I mean, she's there's two right. justifications for divorce in the Bible, and she's and, got yeah. both of them. And, I commend I, you for for going that to that length because, like, I sit and listen to it, and I'm like, I'd be done. Right. Like our flesh is like not even a chance. But that shows like how you look to Christ in that moment of like his. It's always easy us. to well, say that, and then, but when you're in it, yeah, then the spirit's oh, dealing. Yeah, I'd forgive him. Well, right now yeah. I'd say I'd be out of there. Right. But the spirit's not dealing with me. Right. Well, what's the interesting? Spirit's dealing yeah. with you. I've right. been studying wow. Hosea for several months, like an in-depth study, uh-huh. and God was preparing me to be that. So I'm thinking I'm going to be Hosea. Here's Gomer. That's right. that's that's all that was on my mind all the times. Like I don't want to be Hosea. This is the worst. But I'm gonna. I'm willing to do that to glorify God, and so it just—it it was just impossible. And I realized there was no other options. Um, you know, I read some commentaries, prayed, talked about it, and it just—it just dawned on me. This, she's violated the covenant in every way. There's nothing. It's it's already done. It just needs to be finalized. She won't re-up the, the covenant. Yeah, she won't she, restore it. So. Yeah, and she was she was happy to do it. I mean, when you don't want your kids, you don't want your husband. There's there's nothing to do. Unbeliever. She said she had been faking her Christianity her entire life. Best performance I've ever seen personally. So, so you guys follow through with divorce. Yes. Um, you're still in Nashville. So you get the girls came at this to, point because I, yeah, I was I was the sole uh, custodian of the girls or. Uh, 
residential parent. Right. <clears throat> she she got visitation. Okay. Um. So I'm in I'm in Cleveland and, um. I'm like you know, I, being a single parent is very difficult because a child needs a mother a mother and a father. Right. It, it's it's not it's not in their best interest or close to it to have one or the other or two of the same kind. Right. Uh. It's that's how they develop. That's how God created them and wired them. So I'm like, all right, I know I need to get remarried eventually. I'm being incredibly cautious because I know, you know, I, I kind of shifted my priority, priorities around what's important and determined regeneration, not just profession, is what's most important. Now, you can't determine that definitively about somebody, right. but that became like my sole target. So I found a, a system of weeding out people. I, I didn't know what Tinder was at the time, right. but I heard it was a dating app. So I went on it and I put a picture of myself uh, and the girls and I put I love Jesus I love my daughters <laughs> so like talk about, much talk about turn off to the world oh right. I did it was just a bunch of lunatics um, so the, fa- fast forward a year and I I am uh, completely just at a loss I'm like I'm not good at this dating game I you know I don't want right. to fool around I'm playing I'm, I'm in this I need to get married and so there was a night I remember distinctly uh, giving up on searching for women. I'm like, I'm done. If God wants this to happen, he can make this happen. That night I said, I'm gonna go to this Bible study at church in um, Middleburg Heights, Grace Church, uh, Pearl Road. Uh-huh. So they have a singles Bible study. I'm gonna right. go there. I'm not, I just want a fellowship. And I walk in with my brother, he came with me, and I, I, see, I sit right behind the hottest woman I've ever seen, and I start to change my mind. <laughs> like, you know, maybe, maybe I'll back, back on the market. Maybe I'll and take so, this offering right off the altar. Yeah, I, I texted one of my friends uh, who was supposed to come with me, who was also single at the time, and I said, oh man, you missed it, there's a 10 in here. And he's like, are you serious? He got so upset. So. I, I had been doing Bible studies in my apartment complex with neighbors or whoever was willing to join. And so, you know, I, by the way, when they passed the chart around where you have your name and your phone number, hers came around like, man, I so want to take her phone number, but I have to do it the right way. My brother's point is like, yeah, get that, get that. So, so you know, we, we talk and I'm, I'm very cautious. She was, she felt like I wasn't pushy enough. Like I wasn't, didn't pursue her enough that time. Cause you know, I'm cautious. Right. So to be clear here, Rose didn't come in the picture later. This this is Rose. This is Rose, correct. This is my wife. Love my life. And so um, I invite her to a Bible, Cocktails and Covenants, a Bible study, Cocktails and Covenants. Yeah. And we had a great time, um, got to know each other. We got married within six months of meeting each other. The Lord coordinated all the details. And, and you know, I, I just love that, uh, the like, literally within a month, of marrying her and inheriting her sons, Caleb and Nathan, I got a big promotion at work within a month. Wow. It was on my wedding day, a, a manager uh, at Dell called me and said, hey, are you interested in this position? And he expedited the whole thing. And so here, like every child, and this happened before to every child that's been added, God bumped my salary to be able to provide wow. for that. Like within a month, each child. So, um, so I'm, you know, moving around different positions, and uh, you know, to, to kind of wrap it up and bring it up to this point, um, I felt dam- like damaged goods, right? Who's going to want a divorced person? Now, my my divorce was just; it was biblical, 
Uh, I about one woman man, but I'm thinking, well, there goes any kind of opportunity for ministry, but I had that strong desire. And then everything I would try to do seemed to fall apart. So I, I just came to the conclusion that I need to suppress all my desires for formal ministry. And maybe when I'm in my 50s or 60s, God will give me some kind of opportunity. We looked for churches in the Medina area, greater Medina area. We'd driven an hour away that were good gospel-centered churches that preached Christ, that were normal people, and we finally find New Hill, and it was amazing. <laughs> I had been, over the last few years, oh, I, I should also mention, um, just back to before some of the you know, situations that happened, so uh, when I was in my 20s during the first marriage, I ended up getting uh, diagnosed with cancer, had to get, get a surgery, go through chemo, so that happens, which might have contributed to some of the situations, Ill, illness yeah. causes, you know, uh, kind of dissatisfaction. Uh, within two months of marrying Rose, my brother passes away, and it's just this like, you know, big crunch of Trump moving houses. There's this just, hero character in your life. Yeah, you said you always dies. looked up to him. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That that was that was absolutely devastating, um, and and so. I'm thinking, okay, no way, I'm not gonna have an opportunity ministry, nobody's gonna want me, um, you know, boo hoo hoo, and I get over it, I'm like, I'm just gonna serve God in whatever ways I can and know how to right now. Uh, and so I'm, I'm waiting for something, and then just, and I said, God, if you want me to do this, I, I need you to cause your people to force me into this role in, in one way or another. I said, I'm not even gonna consider about it, think about it, get disappointed about it, get happy, nothing. And so then coming to New Hill a year later, you guys are like, hey, have you thought about ministry? And I explained my sentiments and you guys, you know, kind of pushed me to the point of, hey. This is after you'd been around for a little while. Or yeah, church, after yeah, a year. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, get, you know, get off the pot or go basically. And like, it, it was just, it dawned on me when we were sitting uh, after one of the podcasts when you guys brought this up, I was like, this is it. Like, this is God calling confirming, me into yeah. confirming it. Because um, we did press in a little bit. Like, Mark, we see these giftings, your character, your your biblical knowledge, your, your love for the Lord, his people. Like, you know, to us, we're like, what, what's the holdup here? Like, what, what, what are we missing? You know, but we do want to see a desire, obviously, so it's not like you have to do this. But for us, from our perspective, we definitely were like, man, we, we see it here. We, oh, that was... The, dude! It lit back up. To, you should have... That is evil. That is I was evil. About, that so. was a sermon illustration, but then you threw it down. So Mark Little match, and he was about to relight his cigar, and Reverend uh, Meadows over here Bishop. blows it out. Just blows it out on him, and then, it, and, then he, and then it relit, but it was too late because Mark had already dropped the the match. I didn't mean to distract you guys, but anyway. So now, now we're here, and yeah, I mean, you know, the Lord's definitely gifted you, and and really brought us together. So what, the, what are we going to do? With what, what do you think? What kind of so role? yeah? So what Mark's going to be overseeing um, in our church, if you all couldn't guess already, would have to do with evangelism. So as pastors, we've got our hands. Um, we oversee the church, right? We're shepherding the church together. Um, but then we, we start to talk about, um, like, we're not a church where we, we give out, like, crazy titles where it's like you call Mark, you know, the evangelism pastor. He's just a pastor of the church. But um, he is overseeing specifically 
evangelism and assimilation. So evangelism, obviously, going out and, and sharing the gospel and, and getting people equipped uh, to be able to do that. Um, not just those who, who are passionate about it, but helping those who struggle with it. That way, when the opportunity again presents itself, they're ready to share the gospel. So um, that's that's one of the things Mark is doing. And then assimilation is, is not only getting people into the door, um, but getting people into membership as well. So, um, you know, Mark, you do a great job of, of really engaging with people. Um, you're a people person. Um, you really, your, your energy is contagious. Um, I'm yet to meet somebody who doesn't love you. Have not you just met, like you, you, but, but love you. <laughs> just kidding. And you know that that's something to say too. Is their marriage? Is, I love yeah. too because they they pick at each other, but they very clearly love each other. Yeah, like it's it's a it's a there's a friendship dynamic to it as well, which I like that they're comfortable with each right. other and right. that that they can pick on each other and but the love is is very right very real very very obvious so me and pastor gary we we met with mark and rose to talk about this and to talk about their marriage to talk about their calling and one of the things we did we we had mark leave the room and you know uh, honestly you know she had nothing but but good to say about uh, your leadership in the home and not to spill the beans here but i mean that's just something that we've seen so it's always affirming and, and comforting to to hear it from the inside too because that's your first ministry um as a pastor um, and his dad's too. I mean, your your ministry first and foremost is your home, and and care for them, love them, disciple them. Um, but yeah, I mean, we totally see those things out of you. So, um, you know, like we're really thankful to have you joining us, um, and excited to see this this candidacy through, and and see you eventually be voted on. And um, you know, we think the world of you, and just love to to see how God's used you and continues to use you um, to to be a light. So we thought this podcast would be helpful. Yeah. For people to kind of know where you're coming from because not everybody was raised in you know in this pristine environment and i mean here you are in the ukraine you probably could tell an hour's worth of stories oh, yeah. just of stuff that you saw right. experience and but but you know i just think it's helpful for people to know that um to just kind of know your story especially with why, this past year yeah why are you so grateful for the gospel mm-hmm. why are you so passionate to share with others what what is behind that right you know, and I think now that we hear your story, we can see that when, like, when when the lightning bolt of the gospel hit you, got a hold of you, he got a hold of somebody who it was like illumination. It was like it, right. the lights went on, and now you can see. I understand the kingdom of darkness because mm-hmm. I was there, yeah. and now I see this, and I've tasted, and I've seen the Lord is good, mm-hmm. and so it's. When you hear your story, it's like, well, I no wonder the guy is so on fire to go share and, and so thankful and the, these things. It's like, wow, you know. So I just think it can be encouraging for people to hear that and kind of know the context, right? A, a little bit of Mark sharing where he's coming from. Yeah. So a couple things to end with. One of the things people look at you and obviously see is you're a fitness guy. Uh, care to share? Like, have you always been into fitness? Um, Maybe hearing your your story, did you get into it later? Was it like a, a release for you, pumping iron? Yeah, so... It's so kind of what led you down that path of bulk. Well, I mean, a lot of it's genetics. My brother and I were both beefier or huskier individuals, so, you know... Also, I, I, you're just naturally that big? Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know if it's the Ukraine or the, you know... The, the radiation the from the radiation. <laughs> Chernobyl had a great impact on me. No, I mean, <clears throat> I've... I've I used to work out when I was younger. I, I didn't know what I was doing at all. And then after the chemo, that's where my health declined. Okay. Um, I mean, I had no, I, I did not look healthy by any means. 
And then uh, when I moved back up to Cleveland, uh, we, Rose and I actually got a trainer. This is where it began to transform. Someone who taught us how to do everything, how to eat. Uh, and so it, it was, yeah, it's, it's a release. I think it's a great thing to do in your marriage with your wife. Um, there's a there's a lot of benefits to it. This is a bonding to, thing for both it, you. It, it is so, bonding, yeah. absolutely. Now, will you? Uh, I know we're out of time here, but could you explain the the chili cheese Doritos aspect <laughs> of of your training? <laughs> I called Gary the other day, and I was eating chili cheese Doritos that I bought at the store, <laughs> and I told him they tasted deplorable. But I continued to eat the entire bag. <laughs> part part of my training. Would, that must be the new fad. It must be the new <laughs> fitness fad. People are injecting uh, chili cheese Doritos to get bigger. What is a fun fact for everybody to know about you? Fun fact um, that would be surprising. Um, I didn't say that. No, I know. I'm. I'm. I'm assuming that's. Sure. I mean, this isn't. Everybody knows about the little dog. This, yeah. Well, the dog is. I guess people pick on me for that because I love my little dog dearly and will have her ashes when she dies. We <laughs> pick on you for that and, and how you swing a baseball bat. Oh, I'm horrible. What's the next thing? Oh, okay, so I'm not hand, hand-eye coordinated. I, I like old books. I'm an antiquarian lover. Um, I like the smell of old books. I like the history of old books. And I need to have you over, dude. I want to get a 45... He wants you to come sniff his books. <clears throat> yeah. I've got a first printing edition of Spurgeon's... Yeah, it's you were talking about that. five out of that. six. I, I, I'm missing volume four, I think. Of his uh, devotions through the Psalms, yeah. First, a day look old. So if you're into yeah. that, oh yeah, then you'll go. Oh, I've I've had a lot of this. I, there there's a uh, one of Calvin's commentaries that was first edition, or it was first or second. It was like forty five thousand dollars, and I wanted wow. so badly to buy it, but I didn't want to. Go and explain to Rose yeah. <laughs> what you just did with the college I, fund for the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I almost did. Too. Your kids have college funds? No, not yet. Okay, Gary's being kind. <laughs> they can, they can, they can go work. Make yeah, that's money. what I said. Guess how I got through it, kids? <laughs> yeah, same way you will. <laughs> yeah. it'll build character. Okay. Hey, thanks for sharing all this, Mark. I mean, we just, you know, it's a lot to to share, and I just think it's it's encouraging to me to hear it, and I I know the listeners will. Both of them will love, you know, yeah, love hearing. Well, this. and you know, Mark compared himself to like damaged goods, and let me say this: Gary loves damaged goods. He goes to Walmart and looks for the dented cans. I do. That's why Gary likes me. He <laughs> loves it right away. He's like, you look it. like a dented can of Campbell's soup. <laughs> so, so I bet yeah. you would last twenty years. He said but, the but, cans dented, but what's on the inside is really good. It's good. Contents from the eighteen hundred. You know, there there were three things I prayed for every day when I came back up. I prayed for a good job, a good wife, and a good church. Bang, bang, I bang. prayed every single day, and God has answered all three of those prayers and i'm super uh, grateful for it awesome well we're grateful for you all right church we hope that this podcast helped you to put mark into perspective if you have any questions about this podcast the previous podcast or about a relationship with jesus please email us at engage at newhilloh.com or hit up mark he's our evangelist we love him he'd love to share the gospel with you all right church go honor god and all that you do observe the things he's commanded provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you peace godspeed boom